When they first heard about this thing, it was crew expendable. The next time they sent in Marines, they were expendable too. What makes you think they're gonna care about a bunch of lifers who found God at the ass end of space? You really think they're gonna let you interfere with their plans for this thing? They think we're... we're crud. And they don't give a fuck about one friend of yours that's... that's died. Not one. I ain't much for begging. Nobody ever gave me nothing. So I say, fuck that thing. Let's fight it. Fuck it. Let's go for it. You're listening to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast. I'm Patrick, and I'm joined today by... Christian Mutzka. And a very special guest coming on the show for the first time, Mr. Andy Kelly, who is writing a book called, fittingly, Perfect Organism, and it's the story of alien isolation. Andy, welcome to Perfect Organism, the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a great name. (laughs) Total coincidence, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) So the first time that, that I was aware of your book was on Alien Day this year. And the name, you know, uh, caught my eye, but also the subject matter obviously caught my eye because alien isolation is head and shoulders above almost anything else in the expanded universe as far as enriching the experience, but also paying homage to the original film. So personally, I would love to hear both your history with the game, but also your history, I believe, with writing about the game. Yeah, so from the very beginning, um, before it was even released, I was um, it, it was kind of entered my my I, I'm a games journalist by by trade, and very early on, it sort of entered my, it appeared on my radar. Um, someone I knew, one of my colleagues at PC Gamer uh, magazine, played an early version of it and came back into the office, and he was breathless with. Uh, excitement about what he'd just seen. Um, and the, the first demo Creative Assembly did is, is fairly infamous amongst game journalists as being like one of the best first looks at a game ever. Like they'd done a really beautifully tailored demo. It was in a dark room, really high quality headphones, and just people really got into it. Um, so after he came back, I bit piqued my interest and I requested the review for PC Gamer. Um, and that, that was the beginning of my, uh, I guess, eight year obsession with it, which continues now and has, culminated in me writing an, an entire book about the thing. And that eight-year obsession, I mean, goes back even farther, I think, because the first time this was announced to the public was over a decade ago, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's It, it, it sort of has existed in some form, yeah, for much longer, but it was really that first preview session where I really latched onto it and became aware of the fact that someone was finally making an alien game that wasn't pulse rifles and colonial marines and uh, that alone had me excited from the off was there a, a specific image or a, a sense almost that that the way the creative assembly was presenting this material it just it felt more mature it felt more confident would you agree with that yeah well when they released the first batch of screenshots usually screenshots um 
which are kind of known uh, colloquially as bull shots, as being like really staged uh, screenshots designed to make a game look like super dramatic and look its absolute best and nothing like the real experience of playing it. Whereas Creative Assembly's first batch of screenshots had like some close-ups of like computer terminals and um, a motion tracker. And that almost tipped me off. Like they care more about like the fidelity and authenticity of this setting than they do about showing loads of stage screenshots of a xenomorph being toasted by a flamethrower, you know? So that, I think that was the early tip off that they were approaching this from like a, a different angle and almost with like a, like it's a blockbuster game based on a massive franchise, but they were approaching it with an almost like indie sensibility. Like it was, they weren't making a, a game that was like a mainstream you know, thing designed to appeal to a broad audience. It was almost as if it was aimed at people who, you know, really appreciate that first movie and wanted something different from an alien game. really has maintained that feel for, for me in the intervening eight years where it really feels like it was made for the people who pause the movie constantly and look in the background of everything who really treasure that you know cat and mouse game the the really suspenseful you know atmosphere but also just the incredible feeling of walking around i mean especially in the downloadable content the nostromo but even the sevastopol how incredibly real it felt and i, I want to talk about that today somewhat with you. But before we get into all that, um, can you give us a little bit of a background? Because you're a huge Alien fan outside of, you know, just this game. Can you give us a little bit of a window into your your life with Alien? Yeah, so I, I've i been a fan of the original Alien for uh, literally as long as I can remember. I, you know, was shown it way too young by my dad. And I think I've just always, always loved it. And there's never been a time in my life where it wasn't some sort of presence there. Um, I, I love all the other films um, to varying degrees, but the, the original is the one that really captured my imagination. And and bef- even before Alien Isolation, I was got obsessed like so many of us with the production design and the story of the making of it, and the long, you know the reading about the many concept artists and creatives that brought it to life and so like i was already immersing myself in that side of it it was more than just a movie i enjoyed watching it was a movie that i wanted to pick apart and understand every facet of and um, reading all the early script excerpts and stuff so uh, yeah before isolation came along i was already super into it so you can imagine how you know buzzed i was when i heard that there was a game being made by people who were just as obsessed with the thing as me I went through, I'm, I'm old enough that I went through the, I watched it on VHS in a, in a cropped format. And then the revelation that the DVD was, of, oh my gosh, there's actually writing, you know, inside mother, every, every little light is, is labeled. And then there was the Blu-ray, you know, this, this sort of um, journey as fans of rediscovering the film. And the first time I finally saw it in the theater and there's more detail. So the game was that, oh my God, I can actually go that extra step. I can stop and I don't have to freeze frame. I can just actually look. But at the same time that they went back to the VHS aesthetic for, you know, for some of the graphics or for the, the, what do you call it between 
every time you know Amanda Ripley dies, and I have to wait for her to regenerate, <laughs> which happens a lot when I play this game. I feel really yeah, we, bad we get that. a lot of those screens playing Alien <laughs> Isolation. I, I almost feel like the creators must have also gone on that journey of they still wanted a little of that VHS feel because that's where for many of us that's where we started. But oh, the crispness is wonderful. Yeah, they. I think they quite intentionally went for a kind of degraded analog feel. Almost as if you're like playing the game on one of those monitors on the Nostromo bridge, you know. It's like, like I, I, I've, there are people I know who've, who've wired up their console to a CRT and played it on that, and I'd love to do that. Like, and I, I think um, in a really early version of the game, there was, um, I think that some of the developers experimented with an actual mode where you could play it with a simulated VHS lower resolution effect, but I don't think it, they found it too intrusive or something, but I would have loved them to stick that in there as like an extra or something. Cause it really does, you know, it's, it's a whole part of that, that seventies feel, isn't it? Like being a bit degraded and, and, and broken down and, and distorted. And indeed some of it was actually filmed with VHS and Betamax, uh, equipment. Right. And then they, they mapped like onto the interfaces, like projected. Can, can you talk a little bit about some of that stuff? Yeah. So the, the lead UI artist, um, who's called John McKellen, um, he uh, runs his own indie studio now called No Code. Um, they did a game called Observation, which I always say is kind of like spiritual successor to isolation in a lot of ways. Um, there's a lot of connective tissue there, but he, instead of simulating VHS and CRT kind of distortion, which is, you can simulate it, but it never quite has the texture of really doing it. So yeah, he, he would take footage of the game. Um, run it into, uh, record it onto a VHS tape, then like really scuzz up the tape with magnets and stuff, you know, to like ruin the, or maybe not magnets, but it, it, some kind of way of like ruining the image intentionally. And he'd feed it back through, record it onto another tape and repeat and create, you know, these artifacts. And then some of that was incorporated into the UI and to the intro movie with the logos coming in piece by piece. That was um, all done, you know, it was all done the real thing rather than just simulated uh, effects, which really, really shows, I think. Yeah, that's just one of the ways that the love of this material comes through so tangibly. So speaking of loving the material, am I right that you have actually written a number of articles over the years about the game? Yeah, I think it's... I've been doing, I've been writing about video games for 18 years. Um, and in that, I think in that time, it's the game I've written most about for the most amount of outlets and the most, the game I've most talked about on podcasts and the game I've most pontificated about in real life to people. And like, it's just, I, I never get tired of talking about it or thinking about it. So yeah, I've written lots of articles, um, as well as the reviews. I've written sort of uh, deep dives into the art and I've written uh, making of features, like quite an extensive making of feature I wrote for PC Gamer where I interviewed a lot of the devs. Um, you know, I, I've just really kind of taken a, and not just a personal interest, but like a professional interest in sort of writing about it, but also keeping the flame alive a bit. Like if I wasn't still writing about it, I don't think many other people are. You get the odd article saying, oh yeah, Alien Isolation was good, but I've always been like, I'm still writing stuff about it. I wrote stuff about it last month. Um, yeah, it never ends. <laughs> So what do you think makes it 
so special. I, I say that there's there's things that obviously make it special, right? There's the attention to detail. There's the incredible way it's paced. There's the amount of material in the game. The fact that it can take 20 or 30 hours to play through it. There's the density of storytelling. There's a lot of things to consider. But for you, why is this such a great game? Well, <clears throat> I mean, as well as the artistic side of things, which is very a personal thing I love about it, you know, as I said earlier about loving the film and how well they back engineered the look of it. But on a more of a game design level, I think it did stuff as a horror game with the dynamic AI that learns from what you do and reacts to you. Um, it, no other game has done that and no other game has done it since, which really surprises me. Like maybe it's really hard to do, but there's no, there's been no game since Alien Isolation where no horror game where the monster or creature that you've been stalked by or uh, sharing a space with has that same level of reactivity and um, simulated intelligence because it's not really intelligent. It just, they just made it a really great impression of intelligence for clever stuff going on behind the scenes. And um, so yeah, like in that sense, I think it is the best horror game ever made because every time you play it, there's no way to learn what the alien's going to do. Usually in a horror game, you'll be sharing a space with a creature and it will follow routines. There might be a randomized element, but you can still start to see the patterns emerge. Whereas with isolation, the, 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 the xenomorph really has no, there's no prescribed routine to how it behaves. And that is, you know, that is terrifying because you don't know what it's going to do, where it's going to pop out from. Um, so I think for me, that's the reason why I think as a game, it's like uh, beyond most but beyond basically any other horror game, um, uh, even now, which is surprising. I would have thought someone might have taken that idea and embellished it or tried to better it, but it's, it's still untouchable. Is there sort of like a branching tree of, you know, if then kind of choices that the, that they have put in so that what you do as a player prompts the, the computer to make the alien do certain things, but it isn't that it's following, like you said, these, these, prescripted motions necessarily or those prescripted motions are still affected by what you choose to do have you gotten into how they the brilliance of how they did it so it's like to like understand all the mechanisms going on behind the scenes is like i don't think it's all been revealed i think they've kept a lot of it kind of secret maybe it's like a protecting it from being copied but but it does if you keep doing the same thing like you keep hiding in lockers it's gonna learn from that and the chances of it walking past the locker and not opening it diminish greatly um so like in in that sense it it's, it's a very rudimentary form of learning but it does look at how you play and react to it in real time which i think is like i mean it doesn't really get any scarier in a horror game like you can't rely on patterns and routines you i mean the more you play it you you start picking up on audio cues so if you hear a certain noise you know that it's gone into a vent and you've got a bit of freedom to maybe move around a little bit more but even when you start picking up on these cues you still feel like at the mercy of it which is how you should feel when you're sharing a, a space with this thing and the way that they meet out terror in this game is unlike anything i have ever played and i say that as a horror game obsessive who grew up with the Silent Hills and the Resident Evils and the Dead Spaces and all these games that I just am in love with that, you know, have varying degrees of success in scaring me. But 
Alien Isolation took me literally years to beat the first time. Like, I mean, actual years, because there's a couple of choke points of fear for me in Alien Isolation, right? There's like, there's the med lab level, which is just like un- unending, and you're so exposed, and there's so much back and forth, and you're so vulnerable. So that took me like a year of like getting up the courage to like continue going through that one level. And then for me, the one that lasted for like two years was the first time you get working Joes with the raincoat like outfits on. And then it's this whole other thing of like, how the hell do you even so it's a game that is is frightening on its own but it's so legitimately challenging that like it it really presents especially if you're playing on the harder difficulties which i I wanted to some like really genuinely frightening and difficult things to get through and i I guess a question that i have for you andy is creative assembly of course was a a turn-based strategy developer primarily outside of this and they've done other things in the intervening you know decade or two of their existence but they weren't really like a horror game you know hub what do you think is like led them to making such an authentically scary experience and what do you think they drew on was it something about the team they had assembled was it what led them to this moment where they did like they knocked it out of the park well i think yeah as you said they were known for the total war uh, historical battle simulation series which couldn't be more different but i think they built the isolation team within creative assembly under its banner so it wasn't necessarily that the people who were designing ai for uh, formations of Roman soldiers were suddenly designing AI for an alien. So I think they, they created a team to make specifically to make this game, um, which is why a lot of the team, le- uh, the sort of leads, creative leads are all alien fans. Um, so, so they were kind of put together for it, um, which is why it seems weird that it would come out of nowhere from this team that's known for a, a very different genre. But I think it, I know that they pitched, I'm, I'm not sure what led to them being offered. I think because Sega actually had the alien license and Sega either owns or publishes Creative Assembly. I think they own Creative Assembly. And so there was that connection there. The Sega connection basically brought them into the alien thing and they, they did a they created a, a pitch video, which you can see online actually. Um at No Clip did a documentary about the making of Alien Isolation, which is on YouTube, and there's some of that really early prototype footage there where it was like very bare bones and simple. But yeah, just from that it led to some experiments on how the game could be. It started as a third-person game. Um, there's footage of that as well in the no-clip documentary where it was almost like over-the-shoulder Resident Evil type game. It just it, They kept iterating and changing it and playtesting the hell out of it until they ended up on what it is now, a first-person thing. So, I mean, I don't know how they achieved something like that other than just being like mega fans of Alien. I mean, that's the only explanation I can think of is that they just love the source material to an obsessive degree and that's why you end up with a game like this and i'm just amazed and glad that like sega let them do it because it's such a like against the grain subversive take on a what should be a triple a game based on a massive hollywood franchise like they let them do something really offbeat and and idiosyncratic with it which i'm eternally grateful for i feel like there was the the people at creative assembly were able to distill what made Alien work, but also knew how to apply that in a video game form. You can't make a video game specifically just on the crew of the Nostromo. But there had been a very public example the year before of superfans making a game where they didn't understand how to take what makes Aliens work. It seems like a no-brainer. I can make a video game based on this, but they did not make a game that worked. And so to hold those two side by side were Creative Assembly. It just was... I, you know, I hate to throw aliens, colonial marines under the bus, but 
they had they had little recordings that you could listen to and, and gain some backstory. But then you had these dog tags and legacy weapons and things that just every time you ran into those, it took me out of the game. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. They want to remind me that I'm I'm really wishing I was watching a movie right now. Whereas with Creative Assembly, there was none of that fan service. It was there are these logs, and maybe you can stop and listen to them. But if you do, you could also get murdered, you know, by the xenomorph. They just they just somehow had a a, a really good set of brains working on how to how to apply this. You've met some of these people or interviewed them, correct? Yeah, um, I mean, speaking of Colonial Marines, the way I think of it is that Colonial Marines is a game based on a movie. Uh, in the alien universe, alien isolation is part of the alien universe. You know, it's 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 not it's, it's based on it, but it's not like it doesn't feel like it's there to give you the feeling of just to give you the feeling of the original movie. It's there to be a part of it and to fit into the timeline and feel like an authentic continuation of it, which I think it does. But yeah, I mean, I, I've met, I've talked to lots of isolation developers over the years. Um, sometimes in a professional capacity, interviewing them for stuff. Sometimes just talking on uh, Twitter or sometimes meeting them at, at games events and stuff like that. So I think they're all, I think a lot of them are aware of me because I never shut up about that game and I'm sure they're thankful that I'm out there bang, still obnoxiously banging the drum for it. Um, I mean, if, if I'm, I know they're all, I mean, the ones I've spoken to are all super proud of what they made and like they look back on it as like a real big achievement for them in their careers. So I think if you do that, you want people just to, to keep talking about it, especially since Sega kind of threw it under the bus when it, only inverted commas sold 2.1 million copies to them that was a failure and that was the end of it um that must have stung a bit for them as well i mean there was so much potential to to iterate on that game and make make you know sequels and stuff but yeah so i think the vibe i get i can't speak for them all but it's that they still love the game and i know that i've heard that it was hard work and grueling as all making games always is but i think i i'd, I'd like to bet that a lot of them look back and are, you know are happy with that they contributed something to alien that was like meaningful and worthwhile instead of like not to throw colonial marines under the bus again but something like that you know Colonial Marines, to be fair, lives under the bus at this point, so it's okay. To, it's okay, you're not really throwing it. It's already down there. I uh, I feel like part of what makes Isolation work so well is the ways in which the developers were able to space out. Or, so, there, I mean, if you, if you kind of, if you look at it from 30,000 feet, it's pretty straightforward, right? It's, it's you, have Amanda, you have Amanda Ripley, you have Ellen Ripley's daughter going back to get the flight recorder and along the way having, you know, millions of small tasks going wrong on the ship that she then has to go single-handedly fix because everybody else is useless or dead. Um, so it, it, it doesn't feel like it should work as well as it does. But then as you're playing it, it never feels to me repetitive. And I'm just, I've played hundreds of hours of this game. It never feels repetitive. It never feels, you know, menial. Uh, even when you know it's coming, the story kind of keeps pushing you forward. And then, of course, uh, this is kind of separate from the question, but just to say it, the, the first time I got to the derelict in isolation was 
I mean, I, I cried. I like actually wept. And that was crazy because this is not a game that I was expecting to have feelings like that for. But the derelict sequence, like happening where it does in the game, it just, it was just, it felt like so suffused with love for this property. So the question that I'm, <laughs> you know, messing up in the midst of all this is how do you think they like set about pacing the game as well as they did? Have, what did the developers say about that, about making it an experience that people will want to revisit, even though it's in- insanely difficult and terrifying? Well, that, I mean, game developers are typically quite modest, so they would never, they would never come out and say, yeah, that was great. And here's, you know, I've never like, I've never spoken to them about why the pacing is good. I mean, a lot of critics can, uh, say that it's too long or that it's repetitive i mean i like you never never felt that at all um i think that the good pacing is just sheer good game design i mean it, it they they perfectly they have a perfect sort of pitch for how long something will remain engaging for so um you know you'll be one-on-one with the alien for a, a period of time then they'll throw some survivors into the mix um at one point in the game they take the alien away and let you run around with your shotgun and enjoy a cathartic release of, of pent up energy, like 10 hours of, of tension and fear all come spilling out as you run around shotgunning, working Joe's in the head. But then another alien comes in, um, and you go back to the old rhythm, but then the level design is different. The gadgets you have are different. Um, depending on the tools you, but a part of the great dynamic design of the game is that depending on what you have on you at any given time, what you've crafted, uh, an encounter with the alien in a, in a room can be a thousand, two thousand, five thousand different things because of the combination of AI, what gadgets you have, how you choose to use those gadgets, where whether you, you know, use uh, aggression or deception or distractions. Um, it really is like it's a it's a, it's a sandboxy game, and that there's a systemic nature to it that makes it endlessly replayable. Like I've played it four or five times all the way through, and every time it's different. Like I've never had. I know I might, I might know have a have a sense of like when a certain working Joe is going to appear, but like with the alien, it really does feel different every time. And I think yeah, that's a a real key part of why it's so replayable. So if we can talk about the book now, can you talk about how you're approaching the? It's a, it's a huge game, and there's so many different facets that you could cover. What's what's your approach? Well. I thought a, a lot about how to, I, the initial idea was just, I want to write a book about this game. That was at the seed of it. I just, I've got so much to say about it and so many, so many years of, of knowledge amassed about it. I felt I should turn it into a book. Um, but then I thought it originally started as a making of book, um, which was going to be just a kind of straight up story of how it was created. Um, but to get access to the developers who are all, NDA'd up to the eyeballs. They are forbidden from talking about the game's development unless Disney, you know, gives the okay. And I don't know if you've ever dealt with a giant mega corporation like Disney, but getting them to give the green light to something like this is a long, arduous process. And I thought, forget that. Um, I don't need to, you know, I would have been nice to have new access to developers, but I've got eight years of interviews and in my head. So it then morphed into a companion, um, which is kind of the structure that it is now, where it's the idea is that it's a book that you can have alongside playing the game. So, so you go through, you know, you play the first chapter, you explore the torrents at the start, then you, there'll be an associated chapter in the book where I go through, I, I walk you through the torrents talking about the art level design, how it ties into the film, 
um, but you know, basically just like a, a really analytical breakdown of that level. Then you play the medical bay, or you go to the spaceport terminal. You play through that section, and then you read it in the book. You know, so it's like a level by level kind of obsessive super fans analysis of the game, encompassing art, audio, AI, um, behind the scenes, Easter eggs. Basically, every every morsel of knowledge that I've amassed about the game through my own playing of it and through speaking to developers, covering it as a journalist, will all be there. So it's it's like a play by play thing that you can either read alongside playing it or read after you've played it. Um, but I mean, outside of the companion structure, there'll also be bits on how it was made, um, early iterations of the game that that didn't come to fruition. Um, you know, lots of supporting material, but the core of the book is yeah, this level by level companion but not a strategy guide correct it that no. there's no like this is how you do it it's just this is what's going on yeah. as you're playing it yeah it's yeah it's, there's um yeah it's not like i kind of yeah how to play the game it's fully and a, a, just a, a, an analysis an analysis of it from every possible angle like i could easily write a whole book just about the art and the prop designs and the aesthetic and the ambience and how they back engineered all that uh, material from the because um, the developers were given like many terabytes of unseen alien production material um the, the lead designer uh, the director actually said that when they got it it was like pop fiction when they opened the suitcase you know <laughs> the, the golden glow um so they had all you know on set on set polaroids actually taken at shepperton studios um costume continuity polaroids costume designs blueprints all this stuff that, you know, some of it's made it into making of books and like books like the Alien Archive and stuff, but a lot of it has never been seen. So they had all this stuff to take, you know, to back engineer and to look at the cost, John Marlowe's costume designs and make their own costumes based on it. Um, I've, I've lost track of what the original point was, but yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. but basically, yeah, I, I could talk about the art. I could do a whole book about the art. Um, but so instead of that, I thought, well, I'll talk about the art. I'll talk about it. Uh, from a, about the game design, level design, why the pacing is so good, like you were saying, how the alien functions in certain spaces, the architecture of certain levels, and how it contributes to the horror. And like it is, I mean, I talk about game design for a living, so there'll be lots of that, but but also lots of alien connections to the movies and just me pouring over the environments and picking out individual props and bits of scenery and, and talking about it. It's, it's going to be exhaustive. <laughs> Can you share a little bit uh, about how you're going about publishing it and also like how our listeners can, this will be in the show notes obviously too, but if just how we can support this project. Well, a book like this is very niche and um, I was never going to get anywhere shipping it around to shopping it around to big book publishers. I mean, I might've got somewhere, but um, so I went through a thing called Unbound, which is basically like crowdfunding for books. Um, You put a project up there, people and pledge uh, money to it and as well as funding the book it's also just like uh, pre-ordering it so you get a copy of the book it's not like you you pledge to it, this nebulous thing that might might not be written and you might get it and the you know may or may not get it in the post in 10 years this is actually funding the actual printing and binding of the book so people pre-order it and then that money goes to making the book happen so it's the first thing I've ever crowdfunded and it's doing well and it's kind of freaking me out a bit. Like there's a lot of pressure on me now. I'm like, oh, I really do have to write 80,000 words about alien isolation, which, you know, I can do, but it's, it feels more real now as it, as it you know, inches towards uh, f- full funding. We're going to take a break and be right back.
We all remember that moment, the first time we heard a theme from our favorite movie, how it stayed with us, comforted us, stirring our imagination. Sublime Noise is our Patreon-exclusive film score review show. Starting at just $4 a month, you will gain access to Sublime Noise, as well as our Warehouse of Framerate episodes, where we discuss and review our favorite films. To sign up, go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Can you give us a snapshot like, as of recording? Uh, what percentage are you funded? Uh, currently 63%, um, and which is way more than I expected. And the, the, the campaign is like running uh, for at least the next few months. There's no real set time frame on it. So basically, it's just there until the book gets funded. Um, as soon as it hits 100%, I start writing it. Like I'm already writing it in my head, but there's no point in me sitting and writing chapters when it might not get funded. Um, so as soon as it hits 100%, that's when I open up Scrivener and start writing <laughs> this, like, you know, great beast of a book. But yeah, so it's, it's, if it was about, I'm, I'm not like a natural salesman. So I feel weird, like, tweeting about it saying, please pledge to my book or fund my book. Like, I'm not, it's, it doesn't come naturally to me, this kind of promotion. Um, so it's, it's a bit of an odd experience, but I, people seem really engaged by it. And, um, for, I mean, the people, uh, who run Unbound the company seem pretty positive it's going to make it based on its current trajectory. So, um, but yeah, it's it's it, it's kind of there'll be surges of. I mean, I got quite a few backers today just based on a tweet, and then it'll go quiet a bit, and then there'll be a surge of backers. So it's like it it's 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 getting there. But um, like, eh, the more the merrier, because yeah, it's sixty three percent is good, but there's still a few few percent to go. <laughs> Well, I have no problem shamelessly selling this for you. So uh, if you're listening to this and you have enjoyed the first 40 minutes of this conversation about alien isolation and you want hours more of it. Unbound.com slash books slash perfect dash organism. <laughs> so um, or you can go to my Twitter at ultra, uh, at ultra brilliant and it's the pinned tweet at the top. That's probably easier. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. So, so, so follow Andy on Twitter and in doing so click on the link to get the book because I say this as an investor and you know, Christian and I have both put money into this as well. Uh, you know, I have family members who have my cousin knows that I'm talking to you today and he's extremely excited because he's a huge, <laughs> huge gaming fan slash isolation fan. Many of us want this thing to happen. So uh, if you, if you feel similar, please do support it you know before we wrap something that you did an interview recently on another podcast which we should plug as well which is called the back page correct yeah that's right it's a gaming podcast uh uh, hosted by a couple of uh, old games journalists uh, pals of mine talking about alien isolation and the sega dreamcast which i actually have right behind me right now and is a system that i agree is much uh you know forgotten about unfortunately but on the podcast, you were mentioning that some of the content you're looking at for the book concerns unused isolation materials that people have uncovered since it was published. Can you give us like maybe a little teaser into what that actually looks like? Yeah, well, I mean, the the good thing about being an unofficial book is that if there's something out there and Sega or whoever are not necessarily down with it being out there, then I can still cover it. Um, so data miners... Uh, 
much more um, invested than me have dug into every inch of that game and pulled out a lot of unused scripts and audio files and revealing like a whole long elaborate intro sequence that was completely cut from the game where um, you saw a lot a lot of the NPCs and survivors you run into in Sevastopol you see for like a few seconds or hear in an audio log but some of them like had really fleshed out roles and um, we're a lot more involved in the story. Like, from I, I don't know the full goings on of what happened behind the scenes, but I get the feeling that the the story was like really changed dramatically throughout the course of development. I mean, this happens with all games because making games is complicated, and if you change your level design, it can change the story. And also with uh, Fox being a, being prob probably very protective over this canon piece of alien storytelling that probably changed it quite a lot as well so there's a lot of content out there that sort of hints at part of of parts of the story that were different or changed or cut entirely so um i'll, I'll be covering that uh in the book um extensively because it's it's really interesting to think about like what could have been i don't know if you've read um alien the cold forge by alex white it's a fantastic novel and, and you know entry in the extended universe but a concentrated fan outpouring of support for this book and memes and things directed at the publishers resulted in Alex getting a second book contract and wrote uh, Alien into Cryptus, which is also a fantastic book. Do you think there's any chance you'd mentioned earlier wanting to kind of keep the, you know, keep this game in people's minds. Do you think there's any chance that your book could result in a sequel or is that even something you would want to have happen at this point? I, I would love a sequel, but I feel like, if it were made today, it would be really different because all the team leads, bar one, have uh, have left Creative Assembly. So I think I'm not saying Creative Assembly as it exists now and uh, new hires couldn't make a great sequel, <clears throat> but I feel like the very singular magic of that original game is lightning in a bottle and I don't think it will ever be fully captured to that degree again. So I'd be more than happy for for Sega to take another punt at an isolation type game, but I, I, part of me thinks that the original is so perfectly formed and so yeah singular that it would never live up to it. But I mean, yeah, I, I mean, I would love it if my if my book suddenly you know resulted in a, sur a surge of interest in the game and people revisiting it, but. Um, I still think it is as great a game as it is. I know a lot of people don't play it simply because it's too scary and they can't get through it. And it's it's like a it's a very inaccessible game. I've chosen to write a book about a very inaccessible niche game. <laughs> so um yeah. I think if I mean there's two a new alien game was announced the other day. Um Dark Descent, which is like a top down tactical squad type thing based set in the aliens universe, which look you know, looks cool and could be fun, but it seems that in its current state, Sega, not Sega, sorry, because Sega um, aren't making alien games anymore, but I think Fox is still leaning into aliens with an S instead of the original film. So I I'd, I would like them to maybe take a gamble on another alien film as a, a creative touchstone for a new game, but it seems that they're still, you know, settling on good old reliable aliens for the time being. And I think that's part of what makes Isolation so exquisitely exceptional which you know we've mentioned a couple of times already on this episode but like it really it shouldn't ex it shouldn't exist like it had all of these factors going against it 
for one thing, marketing, because everybody wants Colonial Marines, right? And you had, this was in the string of, you had AVP 2010 come out and you had Colonial Marines come out and then you had this. And then it was like right back to Aliens titles again, up until now where we have Fireteam Elite and we have Dark Descent, uh, you know, but those early, I, I, on the back page uh, show, you mentioned a game that I actually also love, the Alien 3 game from the uh, SNES and, and Genesis days. Um, you know, you had that as like kind of an exception, although even in that, real Ripley has a pulse rifle, there's, you know, so there's that element. There's the original, uh, of course, the Atari game for the 7600, for the 2600 that came out, uh, which I also have in play, which is basically it's just a Pac-Man clone, right? But outside of like those two things, I personally can't think of another game that really actually seeks to capture the feeling of alien as opposed to the feeling of aliens. Uh, so it's not very marketable. It's it deliberately difficult. Like the vulnerability that you experience in this game is so incredible, whether it be the vulnerable save points or the fact that your motion tracker makes noise or even the fact that if you turn them on, you can have you can have the alien hear you in your living room. If you have the microphone on your PlayStation turn on, like all of these things that just make it just so difficult. Um and yet, for those of us who fall in love with it because of that difficulty, it feels like we're never going to get it again. And I have to say, uh, like, as Christian knows, and as I mentioned on this podcast before, the number one, and I mean that number one requested show that we get is isolation. That is something that everybody is waiting for us to do an extended behind the scenes series on. And we keep thinking we're going to, and then we reach out to developers and nobody's talking about it. And we're like, oh, I guess we'll try again next year. You know, so, so that's always kind of coming up. And then we had in 2019, as I'm sure you remember well, we had blackout come out on the phones. Right. And we also had that, uh, not perfect IGN web series come out. And both of those were moments again, where all of the fans were like, please give us a sequel to alien isolation. Like we, everybody, like all of us want that. And, and yet I knew that nobody was going to be hearing it and that we were not going to be getting that game because creative assembly has moved on. And because this game really was such a rare bird in the first place that I feel like it can't happen again. So I guess that's just more a, a reflection from where I sit about, you know, and in the fan community and keep in mind, the demographic for this is just like, for this podcast is just like very hardcore people who are seeking out hours of alien content to listen to every other week, you know. Um, in this community, Alien Isolation is regarded as like up there with the, you know, the original three films in terms of its how beloved it is. But I do get a sense that outside of this bubble, isolation has become this weird experiment where like, in my experience, it comes up most often in like listicles of best horror games, or, you know, like sci fi games that got it right. And people, you know, in the comments are like, Oh, that was so scary. That was great. And then just like, nothing. So what, wh why do you think that is? Why do you think it's been abandoned so much by, you know, main mainstream gaming? Yeah. I mean, that's hard to say. I mean, it's, it's hard to step out of the bubble that, you know, we were all in where we love the source material m much more than your average horror game player or even just game player. Like, yeah, I, I don't really, I, it's hard to get a sense of the sort of larger public's feel it uh opinion of it because i'm so I'm, I'm in too deep like to disassociate myself with it um like you say it doesn't you know the odd article will appear and it will appear on listicles of great horror games but i think i feel like i'm possibly the only person still looking at it and with any kind of depth or championing the stuff it did well i feel like it's just sort of become just drifted into a bit of the background ambience of gaming rather than being held up as a you know a, a landmark moment or anything in the for the genre so that it's, it's i don't really know like 
what its longer its legacy down the line will be. But I mean, I through doing this book and talking about it nonstop, I feel like I I just want to keep I want to keep it in the conversation as much as possible because I think it deserves to be a part of it. I know it's early days for Alien Dark Descent, but the trailer that was put out, you know, the, first, the majority of it is this animated, very, very moody thing, and at the very end we get a, a taste of the of the gameplay, and as you said, it's top-down, and you're, you're I think you have five Colonial Marines that you're in charge of, and it's, it's quite a contrast. Like, oh, this is what the game is. And that's true of many, many games, Colonial Marines notoriously, but even with Alien Isolation, even though there was that animated trailer made by a different company, the alien isolation always presented itself as it ended up being. What we were shown from the earliest images absolutely reflected the game that they delivered. And I, I don't know that I'll ever see that again. That, that kind of, the confidence they had in what they had and putting it forward. Do you have any thought on that? Well, yeah, they, they had such a strong vision, like from the off, like from, the, from that very first prototype uh, they made, which was in like in the Nostromo Med Bay. Um, they were from the very start established that they were looking to go for the 1979 look and immerse themselves in that original film and that never wavered even when the game was third person there was more crafting elements there was at one point there was more like weapon customization weapon creation like they, they, they played made more of a thing of Amanda being an engineer even for all these changes in, in scope and uh, design that aesthetic and that desire to make it feel like the original film was always there so i think that's a big part of why it was so consistent from the earliest previews to the final game like not many games have that strength of vision games will change dramatically completely um sometimes the, the a, a game at the very start of development and at the end will be a different thing entirely whereas i think isolation had that through line that was unwavering you know the whole time well, that's fantastic. Uh, just as we come to a close here, I just have two rapid fire questions for you. Uh, one is, what are you playing right now? And two is, other than Alien Isolation, what is your favorite game of all time? Um, what am I playing now? Um, well, I've, I've got uh, quite obsessed with my Switch at the moment. Um, I've always got my Switch on me. I'm currently playing Famicom Detective Club, which is uh, an English localization of a Japanese detective game from the 80s. Um, and it's like just really fun to play whilst like sat on the sofa with your switch just doing like a bit of gentle murder solving <laughs> it's really good <laughs> um and what was it my favorite game of all time yeah um well alien I, I should say alien isolation but i think it's just beaten to the punch by deus ex um which is for me like the peak of of what video games are, are capable of and and should be yeah love deus ex that's fantastic. I have to say, this is the first time I think I've ever spoken with a game journalist before. So it's been cool having that that perspective. Um, anything else you want to share about where people can find you? Ultra Brilliance on Twitter, Unbound, uh, anywhere else? Any other work you want people to look out for? Um, well, yeah, I guess I guess just my Twitter is the main thing because I'm 
everything I do, I, I, I stick on that. But um, yeah, and the, like I said, the link to the books on there, and there's varying degrees of, of funding. Like if you just want to pay a bit less money for a digital copy, you can, or you can get a hardback copy, which will be sent out as soon as the, the thing's written. And there's just there's some other options on that, but it's quite flexible if you don't want to like go for the full printed thing. There's still options to spend a bit less money and it all contributes to the the funding and the, the the sooner it gets to 100%, the sooner I can start writing it because that's all I want to do. I want to write it. It's like my dream project. And yeah, with with you guys' help and anyone listening, it might become a reality. So cheers. <laughs> you mentioned uh, that you had just in the last month or so written about it. Is there a place where people can see that to get a taste of <clears throat> your writing? Um, yeah, well, I'm, I'm currently... Um, I write for a site, uh, thegamer.com, which is, uh, you know, just a general games website. But, um, um, yeah, if, if you look on my author page there, um, under Andy Kelly, you'll see, if you scroll down, there'll be some regular appearances from Alien Isolation. Um, cause I still play it. I mean, I've got it on my Switch now, so I'm even playing it when I'm away from my console or PC. Like it's just always in my head. Um, so I'm constantly having little thoughts about new things to write about and new interesting bits of design to pick out so yeah if you if you search alien isolation and, and andy kelly on google my years of articles will come spilling out so there's a lot of writing out there already um but the yeah a lot of it will be in the book but also obviously lots more fantastic well andy kelly thank you so much for making the time for us everybody support this book because i want to get it cool thank you thanks so much To find out more information about Perfect Organism, the Alien Saga podcast, please go to www.perfectorganism.com. If you would like to support the show, please go to www.perfectorganism.com forward slash support. Thank you.